Hello and welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots. Uh, this is the call-in show that we do uh, every Monday at 11 a.m. right after we stream on YouTube. We do our our Monday morning, as in M-O-N-D-A-Y-M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, Monday morning media review where we review the worst media moments. Uh, we react to the Sunday morning news shows that we watch that you don't have to, and you're welcome for that. Please subscribe to us on YouTube or on Rumble, youtube.com slash idiots. Rumble, wherever you watch Rumble. Uh, also subscribe to us on Substack and Locals for uh, bonus content, extended interviews, which are great. And also we do this thing called Thursday Throwdown. You can do that at usefulidiots.locals.com or usefulidiots.substack.com. And we already got some callers. So also make sure you share this so we get as many people coming to these as possible because those are really fun. All right. So let's take our first caller, and that would be William. Hi, William. Unmute yourself. Hi. Navigate out button. Double tap to activate. Oh, I um, I had to talk about this one of these Thursday throwdown. I gotta figure out the, which one it is. Um, the one I'm, the one where the lady was talking about the ECAs. Is that was that this, uh, this last. Thursday or was that the previous Thursday? I know you're talking about the Citibank executives and other financial executives who are talking about oh, Ukraine. Yeah. And they're talking about ECA. Yeah. I still don't even know what that means, but yeah. And basically, and for those who didn't hear, that was about like, um, it was like a conference of financial people talking about profiting off of Ukraine and helping it build back better. Uh, even yeah. as, you know, even as the war's still going on, they're already talking about like future business opportunities. That's what that was. But you know, this is the thing though. This is what I what I this struck me about it. What kind of blood sucking vampire do you have to be to sit in a room with a bunch of other blood sucking vampires and blithely plot the demise of an entire country and all its infrastructure and its people as if you're planning a picnic? It's a great question. It's a great. It's a great question. Uh, they all sit there in their fancy attire and speak so calmly about profiting off of a country that's being decimated as the war's still going on, and you know, no one seems to bat an eye. It just seems totally natural to think about Ukraine as this business opportunity for Wall Street. It's a pretty uh, amazing series of clips, and, and for those who. Uh, want to see it. It's in our Thursday throwdown, which we do every Thursday. And you have to be a, a useful idiot's uh, subscriber to uh, to get it. But yeah, no, listen, I, I have the same reaction, William. It's, it's, but, <laughs> but, now, but now, now, this was, but my, what I thought of it was like, when, when she first started, she used the, the term enabling capital. I think that's what the EC and ECA is. And, and so, uh, the only thing I had to figure out, what, what, what could the A be? So I'm thinking this enabling capital assessments, like they, they're figuring out how much money and or material it's going to take to keep these people in this fight until they're completely torn apart so that they can swoop down and they can like make all the money they can possibly make. Because I know I, I saw this clip uh, on Jim Doerr's show. It, it was talking about how um, how if they don't if they end the war too soon, they're going to leave money on the table. And I guess that means that you know if they don't just totally decimate the entire country, then they, that's just going to be money that they're not going to be able to make. You know. And then the other lady, the other lady, there was another lady from government. I think she was some government official or something like that. She's talking about it's going to cost $400 million to, to rebuild. At, it's up to $400 million now. And then she says that, um, that, the, uh, um, that the, the government can't do it all by themselves. Right? And they're saying, this is where you come in. Right. It's like, no, no, I just didn't people, those people are not going to spend a penny. <laughs> not one exactly. penny will those just, people spend. Yeah, as if all of a sudden, like, Wall Street. Right. Yeah. The thing that they couldn't make a lot of profit off of. It's just, it's, it's madness. Yeah, see, they, see what they, what they, gonna, what 
Well, see, I think what she's talking about is where you come in is that you got to come up with the products and services, and that is to say the loan products and or whatever services that they can do to lock these people into debt. Because after the war is over, ain't nobody in Ukraine going to have any money. You know, so, so the United States government is going to have to fund the rebuilding of the place. They, they can swoop in like God and just like rebuild Ukraine in their own image, <laughs> you know. But uh, she says two words, though. She says two words in there that mean absolutely nothing. Well, one of the words mean nothing, and the other word has a lot of import, but you have to know what, what you're listening to. The two words were freedom and democracy, all right? Democracy to those people have absolutely no meaning. It's just nothing. It's it's rhetorical fluff, all right? But freedom, freedom is, is very important to these people because, and, and what they think of as freedom is not what me and you think of as freedom. Like, you know, when we think about freedom, we're talking about being able to marry who you want, go to places where you want to go, or work, you know, do the type of job you want to do, all that kind of things, you know. But they'll never lose that. Billionaires will never lose that. No, the billionaire class, when they talk about freedom, they're talking about the freedom to exploit workers. They're talking about the freedom to steal from you with impunity. Like the bankers, they they can just launder money and just break the law without any repercussions. They come in and they find them like a small fraction of all the money that they make. That's what they talk about when they when they're talking about freedom. Yeah, different kinds of freedom. That's true. So I mean, but these people like they don't want you. They don't want you, me, or anybody else that's listening to my voice right now. They don't want any of us actually making decisions that affect our own lives. That's right. That, that is, <laughs> they don't. That's true. They want you to just shut up and do what we tell you. That's right. That's exactly right. And as, and as long as they can keep us fighting amongst each other, and as long as they can keep us, like, you know, downtrodden and, and like, barely, like, surviving, they can keep us hyper-focused on merely surviving, they can get away with right. us. That's exactly right. right. That's, that's, anyway, go ahead. At home, that the people have the the time and the energy and the resources right. to organize. So it just it works so well, and then that's why they can meet privately and talk about you know pillaging Ukraine and not face any resistance. Yeah, William, and see, thanks, and when they, wait, let me say this one last thing. When they when they first when they start uh, giving the money to to rebuild Ukraine. They're going to start taking that money. A lot of that money they're going to take from us because, you know, they never let any kind of crisis go by without, you know, without like uh, taking away from social programs and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, and then they never let one of those opportunities pass without unused. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, let a uh, crisis go to waste. Right. So, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me say my thing and uh y'all have a good day you too and thanks for calling yeah. mm-hmm. Sterling. good Hi, morning Sterling. useful idiots yeah great show this morning and um thanks. yeah it's so insane right now i think basically it's what we do to take the money from the taxpayers and pay people like halliburton to you know refix ukraine which as far as i can tell is pretty 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 devastated um, and I really, when I was watching this morning, I just think, you know, and I, we're, the Dems have really hit the bottom of the barrel with Biden. I mean, honestly, they couldn't come up with anybody better than Joe Biden. And I think it is just this whole thing where we just keep promising these people next time, next time right. you'll get the, you'll get the presidency where like, we don't even get a say because there isn't, there isn't, we don't really choose a president. There's basically a deep state behind it all running the whole show. So any talk of all of this kind of makes me a little bit crazy. The only time it ever got interesting was definitely with Trump because he just kind of shook things up and we're getting to see, you know, all of the uh, true colors of what's going on. I mean, he did expose that. And um, so, yeah, and I'm kind of curious about Kennedy just right now, kind of keeping an eye on that. Um, But yeah, it's just ridiculous that this is our president. 
Um, and as far as codifying Roe, now this really can infuriate me um, because it's such exploitation of women. And that, that Amy Klobuchar is up there talking about this, like they're not just using this as a carrot to dangle in front of women um, every election cycle. And it's, it's completely sick what they do. And I'm so sick of these feminists just basically exploiting women. And I'm going to keep calling it out every time I see it. Um, but yeah, that's just, it's so not cool. They could have codified this a ton of times. So every time I hear it, I'm just ugh, so disgusted. And then one more thing, if you'll let me rant. I got really upset when I saw three days ago in the Washington Post um, a headline that said Ukraine defended Bakhmut despite U.S. warnings in leaked documents. And, you know, it was a month ago we watched these videos of these completely surrounded, terrified Ukrainian soldiers saying, it's not worth it. We don't have the artillery. Nobody's answering our call. Nobody's coming to help us. And that was over a month ago. And we didn't do anything ever to help them. And so suddenly act like because they are about to lose Bakhmut, um, that it's their fault, to me, was just it's so disgusting how we're handling all of this and how these people don't matter, but we're going to use them also, as William was saying, we're just going to exploit every possible thing that we, we can. And um, I just thought that was really, really disgusting of the Washington Post. And I think of all of these leaks are very convenient to um, their whole narrative and just a little bit unnerving. But um, once again, I'm so glad I can call you guys and rant about it. And um, glad that you're hanging in there. And Matt Taibbi seems to be hanging in there too. That's all been pretty wild, but um, thanks for just letting me vent, and um, I will have a question, I'm sure, coming up here soon. Venting's good, too. Yeah, it felt good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. Hi there. Kadima. Hello? Hi there. Hello, Aaron. Hi, Katie. Hi. All right, first time, long time listener, first time calling. Um, so Aaron, the last segment I had about the, the war games, right? Um, I don't want to be a, like a war defender, but you know, war games is an important things nations need to do because it has helped them understand decisions in the military, um, taken, right? But, you know, I don't think the politicians should be getting involved with that. I think that's a military thing. So that's just where I come um, to stand from, you know. That is something that's been going on for hundreds of years. Well, games is an important thing as a nation. Yeah. Actually, a large one. Fair enough. Fair enough. But as you say, I mean, why, why are lawmakers the ones doing this? I mean, if it's like, what like what business do they have? They're not military and it's, people. It's like an infomercial. Um, yeah. Don't mind me saying, but I don't know why Americans so, like, warlike and they're like, I don't think the politicians understand what like war is. You know? War is killing people. You understand? When you, how would you like it if you were just home relaxing and a, and a bomb drop on your house? Yeah. 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 And as far as that war in Ukraine going on, right now, like the one to go until there's only rubble cut bombs in Ukraine. Like I say, it's a money laundering scheme. The, yeah. It, like, the fireman who set in on fires, right? You know what? You know that? The fireman who sets his own fires, you said? Yeah. yeah. And then how, yeah, the PM to come on out the fire. Yeah, that's, you know that's, that? actually, that's funny. You know, Aaron, when you were talking about the rock throwers, rock stoppers being rock throwers, that reminded me of NATO, what NATO is. NATO is a totally outdated thing. Absolutely. What? Totally outdated. NATO was an anti-Russian, anti-Soviet thing from the very start. Right, so and no now it has to, has to no, like create wars to justify its existence. Right. They should have disbanded NATO in the 50s and yeah. replace it with smaller alliances. Yeah. Now if you say, for example, the um the Balkan states, uh, Lithuania, Latvia, um, Estonia. If yeah. there was an alliance with all them other Eastern European states who have common interests. All of them, like Eastern Europeans and Russians, very paranoid about each other because they've been invading each other for like over hundreds of years. If them have an alliance that is not related to US and the empire, Russia would think twice before they invade Ukraine because I had a study by when I invade this country, about four other countries on my border will be supporting that. 
and they replace it, replace it with, with a more sensible structure. But you know, Rome had to control everything. The Empire had to control everything. DC, they biggest yeah. set of scumbags in the world. Them killing people on a them don't know where war is. War is death and murder and killing on a massive scale. A war is millions of murders taking place. That way it is. Let's be real. Yeah, it's very true what you're saying. It's very depressing. Uh, Richard Sokol Richard Sokol has a book called Frontline Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, came out a few years ago. He has a line where he says, NATO exists to manage the threats posed by its existence. Mm. <laughs> right? That's exactly right. People need to wake up in America. Uh, America in very big trouble. The empire failing. Because why? All have a country that is designed to be a republic and they're trying to run it as an empire. Mm. So the people in America need to wake up and do something before they take everybody else with because you think if America just stopped existing, your English country and speaking uh, speaking country wouldn't be um, affected. You know, all are we using all the system in terms of money and everything too. So all the better America need to wake up and all they need to do something and call out the corruption in all their own political party. Or else all they will never see anything. Because everybody okay with the lying and the cheating and the stealing wants them side in power. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yep. Thank you for the call. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey. Uh, good morning. Hi there. Morning. Um, so just uh, one brief uh, note uh, in response to the previous caller who's, uh, whose remarks I thought were spot on. Um, so um, I was recently um, paging through again um, the ill-starred um, French-Jewish historian Mark Bloch, uh, his book, uh, Strange Defeat, A Statement of Evidence Written in 1940, which um, Bloch uh, served in the military in both world wars. Um, and um, he was the founder of the great uh, Annals School of History, which tries to record the past as like a total phenomenon. Mm. Um, it's it's one of the reasons, I mean, is a sort of historiographical moment because the Annals School has been massively influential in um, universities. Um, that I found uh, Timothy Snyder's comment on his uh, recent frontline PBS interview that the only thing that historians are going to care about in 100 years uh, that Washington's doing today is Ukraine policy to be so uh, contemptibly ridiculous. Um, but um, anyway, uh, Bloch was uh, murdered by the Nazis eventually or, or killed in action. He didn't survive the war, um, but he was one of you know the most intellectually distinguished of the Nazis' many, many victims. Um, And he writes in this line about the Nazi conquest of France, no, the fact is that this dropping of bombs from the sky has the unique power of spreading terror. And this is what we've uh, institutionalized and made permanent as a a practice of our foreign policy in in Washington. You know, I mean, it's it's a really horrible thing that we do um, all the time and that we've completely, you know, tried to convince ourselves is, is justified and it's, it's not. Um, so I just wanted to add that to the previous caller's remark. Um, I also had a question. I was, um, watching, um, uh, Rachel Maddow last night. I haven't, I haven't been watching her much recently, um, since she stopped doing her daily show. Um, but, um, she was talking about the the Pentagon leak, and um, uh, she talked about dumb, the role of Dumbas Devushka. Um, I, I heard Dumbas Devushka's um, interview with um, the historian of the Ukrainianization of Lviv, um, Tariq Cyril Amar, recently, and I thought it was you know much much more informative um, than any coverage that NBC or MSNBC has offered on on the country. Um, uh, Cyril Lamar was an advisee of Stephen Kotkin, the you know very highly respected Stalin biographer, at, and has a PhD from Princeton. Um, I don't think he could get tenure at Columbia. He's now in Istanbul, um, hmm. and 
um, he wrote this book, The Paradox of Ukrainian Lviv, on the process of the Ukrainianization of, of Lviv, which has been known historically in different European languages by many different names. And in German, it's Lemberg. In Polish, it's Lvov. And um, it's a similar sound in, in Russian. And um, um, obviously, Lviv in U Ukraine. And the Ukrainians were... I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but they were um, uh, actually, yeah, let's leave Lviv to his side. It's a very interesting history, and I, I highly recommend that podcast. But anyway, my, my impression from that podcast was that Donbass Davushka is a, a person of considerable intellectual integrity, um, unlike Rachel Maddow, obviously. And um, but anyway, Maddow was claiming that the casualty ratios that have been reported and that, you know, have been stated by the seven to one casualty ratios and the the documents that have been circulating from the pentagon um you know this, this was claimed that this number had been doctored um and matt i was suggesting that dumbass divishka had doctored it and i was wondering forensically if if aaron had looked into this claim and if he could uh, um possibly um shed any light on it okay so i haven't followed this whole thing too closely but so but so help me out here. Donbass Davushka is a is they like they're a former Navy. Um, that's what that's uh, what Matt said. Yeah, that they yeah. were just discharged from the Navy like last fall. Okay, and they and they have a podcast called Donbass Davushka, and they've actually I've heard from them before. They invited me on once, I think. Uh, I don't I, I didn't do it for a reason, but I but I've heard but I, I think people I know have done their podcast, and I. Um, but they were, accused, heard... but, but so but they were accused recently of being like a Russian troll account by someone. Is that right? There was some, I, I think so. Again, I, I got kicked off Twitter as I mentioned last week. So I, I can't follow this stuff as closely as I would, you know, like to really, but, um, uh, okay, so here's um, the, here, I'll find it. It says, this is from the wall street journal, uh, social media account overseen by former Navy non-commissioned officer helped spread secrets. An American administrator of the Donbass Girl Blogger Network uses a pro-Russia persona across. So basically, yeah, so they're 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 being accused of doctoring documents, I guess. And, yeah, they're um, being accused of having invented the casualty ratio, the seven to one that has been repeated by RFK Jr. and Tucker Carlson, among among many others. Yeah, and so what's funny is so this Wall Street Journal article is accusing Donbass Tavushka of spreading the leaked documents. But that's what everybody, anybody who reported on the leaked documents, spread them. So I don't know. What well, they're, they're saying that they're saying that Domestovushka was the first person to elevate it from the Discord channel. I see. Okay. Well. Yeah. So what? Um, and I believe also they're actually now that I remember, I believe also it's not it's not it's not a it's not a crime. I mean, to, to it's not a crime, retweet no. something, I would, I would say. Yeah. But I, I mean, do... it was already in the public in the public yeah. sphere. Yeah. So to just recirculate it is is not a crime. Well, I'm going to have to find this this Maddow clip because maybe we can make fun of that. In our, oh, yeah. Thursday, Thursday. Yeah. It, it seems like the kind of thing that's really in your in your wheelhouse. And um, I, yeah. I, you know, I expect that, I mean, there have been many claims from, you know, um, other figures who I tend to trust much more than the official sort of Washington Western military analysts like McGregor and Ritter and others. I mean, I, I like McGregor more than Ritter and I have problems with all of them, honestly. But um, but um, anyway, I mean, they've they, what they've been suggesting is that the, the Russians have been doing a kind of rope it open back mood and just been drawing the Ukrainians in and the Ukrainians are getting slaughtered there. I mean, that's what I've been hearing sure. for months Listen, now. Um, was Maddow suggesting that Donbass Davushka was really a Russian... Troll account. So what she, no, she, what she what said, she what she said is that, that she was a, a, an American from New Jersey who had a fake Russian accent who claimed to have been from the Donbass uh -huh. and that this was all false. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And I, I just don't know the facts, honestly. And I, I, I feel actually maybe like I'm doing a disservice to your audience and spreading Maddow's talking points because, again, I don't think Maddow has any credibility. Um, but um, and 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 I don't know Dumbass Davishka. I don't know the facts, as I was saying. I I've only listened to her podcast with Tariq Cyril Amar, 
um, who has a PhD from Princeton. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that, and, so, so and, we'll look in, we'll look into this. And uh, thanks for this tip. This, this yeah, is really... I, I really recommend the the the, the podcast with with Tariq. Um, but um, yes, um, thank you for thank you for taking my call. I appreciate. it. Thank you. Okay, Joshua. This is getting to be a thing now. Sorry, guys. I'm actually trying to work. But uh, I'm just really sorry for the someone that assigned themselves the Maddow homework. I have oppositional defiance disorder, so I can't take homework from anybody. Um, but uh, I was also thinking about a little bit about blowback again. And then I started thinking about Kurt Russell movies like Backdraft. And, you know, but at least that was firefighters. They're not cops. So, you know. That's cool. And then I was thinking about Escape from New York. And I was like, that kind of sucks. But then on a serious note, I was thinking about continuous vetting. And what that term could be, well, one, if you are a federal employee um, and you're deciding to do a new Cold War on two fronts uh, in regards to your employment and or if you're a citizen of a government that's deciding to go to war on your behalf on two fronts. And that's really kind of 1984. Um, I think the execution may be more like the movie Brazil. Um, I, I would recommend the movie uh, Dance of Reality by Alejandro Orodowski. I don't think I pronounced that correct. Um, but uh, I also started out my movie, my morning with uh, NASA TV. That was much better than uh, CCTV. I can't do that either. Um, but I do want to bring it back to the issue of continuous vetting and the security state. And uh, how many people want your life to dictate what you can and cannot do based on your posts, etc., in the public sphere? That uh, that sounds pretty, I don't know, Nazi-like to me. And I don't really want to live in that, I don't know, state. So just uh, that's my rant for this morning. All right. Continuous betting rant. Hi, good morning, both of you. Hi, Seba, how are you? Fine. Uh, I was wondering since... They were talking about Ukraine. If you heard uh, Lula's, what Lula said and the answer from the White House. Yeah, I think uh, we talked about that on our Thursday throwdown, actually. Oh, you mind okay. listeners? No, that this Thursday, I wasn't there. Just okay. So, so yeah. And, okay, I, I will go and check that out. And... Go ahead. You already saying no, something? No, keep going. Keep going. Oh, no. Yeah, no. I thought it was really ridiculous that he was called a pirate. But uh, the other thing that I wanted to comment is, because there is a lot of times that I hear this uh, talked about, right, like uh, interventions and stuff talked in, in Latin America, talked in the past. But since what Lula said, right, uh, the the thing is the the. South Command, Laura Richardson, woman, and the second to Blinken were here this past weekend. Here, me, and where? Me in Argentina. Yeah, okay. And yeah, the thing is that they demanded, and of course we accepted with it, <laughs> the IMF money, uh, that we stopped, right? Like, because of what Laura was saying, that we stopped all these, uh, these investments that we had from China. Right. Uh, and yeah, I just wanted to mention that because sometimes it seems as if it is something in the past, but yeah, it's not. Right. So, okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Amy. Bye. Um, Neoliberal Tears. How's it going? Uh, we didn't get to our Netanyahu clip. We'll do that on Thursday through down, probably. Uh, guys, come on. You know, BB lo loves um, media attention. You know, yeah. he, he, we can't invisibilize BB. I know. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, I, I was actually thinking about, uh, free speech and, you know, cause, uh, I, I'm curious what your reaction, uh, 
like what you what do you make of uh the twitter reaction to aoc saying we should censor fox news like what what i'm what i sort of saw is like a lot of leftists who don't even watch fox news sort of coming out against it and um but is that your sense um how do you think it was received by the twitterada i honestly haven't seen a lot of the response yet um I mean, we we watched the clip and we went over it. Um, but that's, a, I don't know who, so who are you talking about? I guess just like um, like other trolls that I love and trust were sort of saying, well, why, you know, as soon as we start censoring Fox News, right. we would have to censor CNN, MSNBC. So that was right. sort of the reaction I saw, but maybe it's just my, for you, you know, my, I, I, maybe I'm also trying to, I think stay hopeful because, you know, like I think a lot about the Skokie uh, um, parallel um, from from the seventies where the ACLU marched with. Hello. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> didn't want to talk over. Um, yeah, like I. Think, sorry, go ahead. No, Skokie, Illinois, where a place with a lot of. Uh, Holocaust survivors where the KKK had uh, a rally, right? And the ACLU defended their right to do that. Yeah. And, and I think because it's such a radical example, it, 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 it sort of sticks with me as like an example of the left being principled. And, right. you know, I think that carries a lot of credibility. And I, I, I guess I'm sort of encouraged to see pushback against AOC saying something like we should ban Fox News. Like, I think it shows that the left is maybe a little more alive than, than uh, you know, the fact that there is pushback, even from people like you guys, um, our heroes. Because um, yeah, I think... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, that's not surprising that we're saying it. I mean, the question is whether other people are saying it. Yeah, yeah, if other people are buying it. And and I think well, it's so <laughs> reckless for someone. Go ahead. Like we're, I think we pretty consistently are critical of calls for censorship. The question is, it's like her fans are, 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 are raising. In other words, you're talking about like a very niche population that's already, I would say, in agreement. Yeah, but I, I guess I'm hoping that the, there's consensus within that. Like, I, I'm hoping we go mainstream <laughs> in terms yeah. of uh, that position on free speech, because, like, I keep thinking about this, like, Israel doesn't really have free speech. Like, there's a there's civil laws against, um, if you, for example, call for boycotting Israel from within Israel, um, there are there are civil there are civil penalties for that. Like, you can get sued. Um, and that's scary. And that's sort of that terrifies anyone from speaking out um so and it also felt to me like it, you know aoc sort of throwing fox news under the you know it's it, I, I have no defense of fox news right like yeah. i don't watch it but it felt to me like she's been getting a lot of heat from her own base um you know the david sirota interview wasn't that well received so i th it also felt to me like she was trying to redirect heat like you know oh people are angry let me try to like uh, redirect their anger towards something that I can also use. Um, it felt opportunistic, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. It seems pretty, cons I mean, I guess, but I, I guess I'm not, the, to me, it's not very surprising what she did. She does this a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I also, um, <laughs> um, I loved your idea that like, maybe we need to talk to AOC. Maybe we need to explain to AOC the way she's explaining things to us. Like, you know, we need, we can talk to her in her own language. Like, you know, like AOC, we shouldn't ban Fox News because it's about the how, but also the why. Right. Exactly. It's the macro yeah. and the micro. Right. Um, And uh, yeah, the last thing I wanted to say is um, I'm reading right now uh, Max's book, uh, Goliath, uh, uh -huh. you know, about his, his five years in Israel. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to read it, Katie? Yeah, years ago, though. I had to reread it. It's, it's really, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and it's, uh, 
yeah, it's it's making me reflect a lot. Um, he's a hundred, a thousand percent on point. Um, so I just wanted to to thank all of you. You're like my her- heroic Jewish group, you know, Katie, Aaron, and Max, and um, I'm really grateful to have um, such great role models um, that uh, on the left. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right, Jonathan. Hello. Hi, how are you? Uh, so far, so good. I just got off of work. And um, I uh, personally, I. Yeah, sorry. Work for you means a, uh, getting off a 48 hour shift, correct? Yes, correct. Because you're an EMP. Yeah. Yeah. I did not get a heck of a lot of sleep, but uh, I did uh, firstly want to say I, I am. Uh, Sorry about your uh, your your Tuesday show. I got held over late in a meeting, and I uh, did not get to listen to the live stream before the call, and so I didn't call in. And then all these people that also didn't listen to the live stream called in. I'm like, maybe I should have called in. Oh yeah, yeah, feel free. I I did send uh, you know one of your guests a, a DM afterwards. The uh, the children's book author. I thought both of the Puerto Rico guests were spectacular and that's the kind of of conversation you don't get and the kind of information you don't get reading the new york times or listening to npr and you know i thought they were both really knowledgeable really smart but i sent uh, the the children's book author a dm because her i thought she captured very well because i was in new orleans around the time of katrina uh, uh, so i thought she did a marvelous job by the way this is we're talking about Karina Gonzalez, the author of uh, The Coquis Still Sing. I had her on and filmmaker Juan Carlos Avila. Who had Coquis in the background of uh, where he was. I had the Coquis in the background, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, she, like, just did such a marvelous job capturing the the feeling of, like, everything you, you know and love that's not there anymore, all the people that you know and love scattered to the four winds. And... Uh, yeah, I just I I thought you know like so I sent her that and she uh, she appreciated it but yeah I wish I had gotten to listen to the live stream and then you know uh, call into the show while she was on there but uh, the other thing I wanted to to talk about was like we had uh, on the Macro and Cheese podcast which I work on the production end of uh, we had Carl Ja this week oh cool uh, I think you've talked to, you've talked to him before on your show haven't you yeah on Kate the Katie yeah. Jonathan is very yeah, like, talking about the Katie Halper show. And I do have to say that this week on the Katie Halper show, Tuesday, I'm having on um, John Kiriakou and um, Gerald Horn. And we're talking about the indictment of the four black, well, the, the four people involved with the black, uh, the African Socialist People's Party. Love John Kiriakou, also a good friend of Useful Idiots. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, but we, Carl Zhao was talking about, uh, the, the Taiwan situation. He had like a bunch of stuff that I actually hadn't heard before. And that's, you know, one of the great things about Carl is he is kind of this fount of information on, uh, on Southeast Asia. Silk and Steel Pod is very good. His Twitter account is full of all kinds of fun and useful stuff. But he was pointing out there's actually more like uh, Taiwanese troops in mainland China than there ever had been mainland Chinese, like Chinese Red Army troops oh, wow. in Taiwan. Like they don't go there, but China, you know, uh, the People's Republic of China generously in the 90s uh, started, uh, you know, withdrew all their restrictions about Taiwanese coming to mainland China and allowed even their troops to come over there on leave and reunite with family members that they had on the mainland. And there's about 2.8 million Taiwanese students in mainland China at their universities at any given time. And so, like he was saying that, uh, you know, here in the U.S., like we know our politicians are are dum-dums and blowhards, but the Chinese, like they take this stuff deadly serious. So when Nancy Pelosi flew into Taiwan and, you know, started making all these bellicose speeches and when Lindsey Graham is out there, you know, uh, compensating for what he lacks in, you know, other areas, uh, you know, they take that stuff deadly serious. Like they take it at face value and they're, they're like, they're terrified of us. 
And I, the Taiwanese, like, they're not worried about a Chinese invasion. The Chinese have no intention of invading Taiwan. They're reasonably confident that reunification is, you know, more or less inevitable. And the Taiwanese people do it on their own, and they're already treating it like it's already happened. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I get I get a little a little more nervous than I used to be when these guys go over to Taiwan and start rattling the saber and, you know, threatening war because like, who are they really like, they're not protecting that for anybody. You know, that's, that's, that's never like there, there's no planet on which what they're doing over there and all of the, the dick waving over Taiwan is justified. And yeah. Yeah. It's scary. I'll listen to the Carl Jaa. Thanks, Jonathan, for the call. Okay, no war, Chris. Good morning. Um, Brian Stelter just said that it, Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News effective immediately. This is an earth-shaking moment in cable news. Really? What? Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, that's crazy. Maybe the AOC clip. Yeah, was that AOC's doing? Oh. Wow. Um, AOC did it. She got her, her and Jen Psaki did it together. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, interesting news. That uh, wasn't why I called in. Um, I've been thinking a little bit of kind of, uh, I think obviously we would mostly agree that American empire is kind of fading, seeing Saudi and Iran doing peace deals, America nowhere to be seen, China and, and Russia teaming up in a way that I think definitely challenges the U.S. Um, and obviously many other things. Do you guys ever think of like exit plans for the U.S.? I mean, obviously, historically, when empires fall, it's never gracefully and never pretty. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be pretty when it happens here. Um do you guys think at all about leaving the U.S.? Obviously, you know, Aaron, you have a Canadian passport, uh, I would assume, and gives you a little bit different perspective. But Katie, Katie and uh, Aaron, what do you guys think about? Do you, or do you think about that at all? I don't. I often want to ask, like, Chris Hedges or... Uh... Richard Wolf, I, I often want to be like, okay, so what's the plan? Like, are we, because they both think empire is falling. Although I don't know what their timeline is. Um, uh, I don't know. I haven't planned on it. I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't know if I can marry some foreigner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the threat of nuclear war is always on my mind. I, I can't help but think about Right. That doesn't I hope to stay, and I hope that uh, we don't have nuclear war. Uh, but no, you know, um, I think uh, leaving a country is, I mean, people, if, if that's what works for your life, if it's not working for you to be in a country, then you leave. But uh, in terms of to leave for, like, geopolitical reasons, uh, I mean, that to me is like, uh, I don't think, I don't know. That's not something I, I worry about w- with the U.S. And if the empire falls, great. I think, I, think well, US, yeah. I think the U.S. like would be a better place to live. I mean, I think it would go through a, a, a deep, volatile drop and and maybe stable, you know, become more stable after a, a bit. But um, I think it's going to be rocky if it happens. That's my opinion. But anyway, that was my quick question. I just got the New York Times notification about Tucker. So I mean, Tucker, anyway, have a Tucker good day, guys. Fox is a, is, a, That's a, is a big development. That's huge. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It is a big is. deal. And I wonder what the reason I just, is. I saw an Aaron Rupar clip, everybody's favorite, um, but he posted, and I just watched it while I was in the queue here, and Tucker said, we'll see you Monday at the end on Friday, so he didn't expect to be out today, so it's uh, it's interesting. Wait, but, question for you, by the way, Chris. Do you have a plan to exit? I don't have a plan. Sure. I don't have a, a plan. I've contemplated a few. I, I would I would head south 
I think Central or South America, personally, I have a small amount of experience speaking Spanish. That studied it for six or eight years, but yeah. haven't spoken in like fifteen years. But I think that's. I love. And, and I, I love, uh, I love it in uh, Central America. I haven't been to South America yet, but yeah. um, I would. I think I go to Mexico City. I love Mexico City. Yeah, Mexico City is amazing. So that that would be uh and like did you see this thing with amlo uh selling their presidential planes and getting rid of them i saw a story about that this weekend i believe i'm an am lover (laughs) me too anyway thanks for your time guys you have a good day thank you okay forward hello thank you guys um in, in regards to uh, uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia, I just this thing came to my mind regarding this line from the movie Ghostbusters: "Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria." <laughs> I just <laughs> I had to say that. So thank you. It's an honor uh, to be on the show, and uh, uh, Katie, you're a hero of mine. And I had an opportunity to ask Aaron's uh, Aaron a question yesterday, so it's two in a row for me. Thank you. Um, I just want to kind of uh, pose this question to you guys um, and forgive me if I'm off topic or you've already talked about this, but uh, you know, Trump's, I I have this written down Trump's revenge. If Trump is somehow as that's if he's able to get into office, would he go after anyone considering the deep state is very strong in trying to bring him down or going after him? And the bigger picture is, in my lifetime, I've never seen uh, just this whole deep state or all these or FBI, all these organizations going after somebody like they're going after Trump, whether it's right or wrong. You know, that's a separate question. Uh, sort of zeroing in on him and just the implications of that it has for other candidates that are running. And if they're not towing the line that that's, that's expected of them, um, what implications is this going to have? And would there, let's say, if he is able to get into office, would there really even be any kind of a policy change, considering all these restrictions uh, that we're seeing that are beginning to emerge? Um, well, look, listen, this is this is a lot of what ifs. Um, but if, yeah. if history is any guide, then no, not much would change. I mean, look, Trump came into office promising to drain the swamp, and he didn't do anything. He didn't have any actual principles. He just wanted to be liked, and he tried to play ball with Republicans. But he still got undermined uh, via RussiaGate because the you know the national security state didn't like him and didn't like him talking about getting along with Russia and didn't like him didn't like the fact that he was too honest that he was like sometimes would say the would say the would blurt out the truth, which you're not supposed to do uh, when you talk about staying in Syria. You're supposed to stay. You're supposed to say we're there to fight terrorism. He said we're there to take the oil. Right. So they need someone who's a better steward of the uh, war machine. So I, I think they'd pull the same tricks against him. And I think he'd be more effective in resisting that if he if, assuming he even wanted to, assuming he cared enough, uh, would be depend on who he appoints. And last time he appointed all these people who were and neocons, which he claimed to sort of oppose when he ran. So it, it really depends on the people that he would put around him. But. I mean, if you look at what he did, he, he didn't have any policy achievements at all. He didn't because he's not he doesn't have any real convictions. Uh, his only major policy achievement was the tax heist, which gave more money to the wealthy. Um, otherwise, he just did the bidding of his donors like Sheldon Adelson, got him to move the embassy to Jerusalem. And uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing one thing positive you can say about him is he didn't start any wars, but he kind of almost did with Iran when he killed Soleimani. Yeah, that was yeah. like. That was playing with fire a little bit. So, um, but look, at the same time, the people around Biden are really dangerous. And I, uh, that just should be recognized. The, you know, Blinken, Sullivan, Newland, these are dangerous people. And you have to ask, would Trump have gotten us into this proxy war? He certainly, his policy certainly helped cause it because he killed all these vital nuclear uh, um, arms control treaties with Russia. Uh, which allows the U.S. to threaten Russia, which makes Russia more paranoid. Um, and he sent weapons to Ukraine that Obama wouldn't send. But would he have, at the last minute, reached a deal with Putin, unlike Biden, who refused to even discuss the core issues? I think he actually might have. So it's it's a tough call. 
So the short answer is I don't know, but I think uh, it's fair to speculate that not that nothing would change based on just how weak of a politician he is. Do you think like these new politicians, let's you know RFKs or Marion Williamson, in terms of international policy, would there would you even see maybe any kind of a change even with them? I, I mean, I'm thinking not, but I'm just curious. Well, I, I mean, I don't like Marion's foreign policy views, but of course I would rather have her in there than anybody else, uh, than, than like, you know, Biden or Trump, because I do think she's a humane person who, whose heart's in the right place. And, uh, you know, although she's, I think, bought into some really unfortunate propaganda. Um, yeah, I'd rather, I mean, like anyone... Is be- I mean, like like Biden, as we talked about on today's Monday morning, always asks, like, you know, don't judge me by the don't judge me by the almighty, judge me by the alternative. And so accordingly, yes, if there's someone like Mary Williamson was the alternative, of course, I think they there'd be a chance of there being more decent because I don't think she'd appoint people as hawkish as Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan. Okay. I would hope at least I'd hope I'd hope that it's really about who you appoint. It's really about like the people around you. And Obama had a bunch of neocons around him. So does Biden. So did Trump. And anything that could change that, I think, would be welcome. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and then we are going to wrap. Go ahead, William. Hey, guys. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Hi, Aaron. Uh, I want to quickly comment on your last caller and then what I called about. Hi, Katie. Um, regarding Trump, you know, if you look at his cabinet appointments, by 2020, he had 70 plus Council of Foreign Relations and Bilderberg members as his cabinet appointees. That tells you all you need to know. You know what I mean, Aaron? When you got those parties involved, you are in the deep state. You know, I mean, knee deep or neck deep, my opinion. Uh, if anyone can research that, um, including Steve the first. When you're done speaking, ahead, tap I'm... here to mute. Well, Double tap to activate. Is. Hello? Yeah, Hello? go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know what that was. Okay, so um, next, the, the reason I, I called. Power off button, row one in grid. Restart button. That might be a previous caller, which is a glitch. In right. the so you know what? Yeah, we're going to have to just wrap it there because this glitch happens in the absent times. and That's how it is. Everyone, thanks for calling. Uh, and thank you for tuning in. Remember to go to usefulidiots.substack.com or usefulidiots.locals.com to support us and we'll see you yeah, next time. William, we'll take you first next time and good point that you made. Sorry, we had this glitch. Bye everyone. Bye.